0: Hi, and welcome back to This Week in Voice, Episode 5 for Season 2. Today is Thursday, February the 22nd. Our sponsor for This Week in Voice is Voice XP, a St. Louis-based company that creates Alexa skills for businesses to be more productive and efficient. Voice XP has recently joined the Capital Innovator Startup Accelerator program based in St. Louis, which is a top 10 startup accelerator in the United States, along with Y Combinator, Techstars, and others. Bob Stolzberg, who's the founder of Voice XP and a very good friend of the show, says he believes joining Capital Innovators will enable Voice XP to, voice, to push the voice industry further because of the resources and connections the program provides. If you're looking to have a Alexa skill developed, or you're looking for more information in general, head over to voicexp.com, or look up Bob Stolzberg on LinkedIn and connect with him, you'll be glad that you did. We are very pleased to be joined today by a phenomenal panel. Sarah Storm is with us, Sarah, say hello.
1: Hey everybody, glad to be here.
0: Sarah, thank you very, very much for joining us. So you are head of Cloud Studio, at Spoken Layer. Tell us what that is. Tell us what Spoken Layer does. Give us give us the info.
1: Sure. So Spoken Layer is a fantastic company that creates great voice-first experiences and works to leverage any content creator who wants to be in the voice first space into that space. And my favorite part is we use storytellers to do it. And that's when I come that's where I come in. I work with a team of over a hundred voiceover artists directing a diverse array of content. And I'm here, I'm here representing my own views today, but I'm thrilled to be a part of the Spoken Layer family.
0: We love that. We love that you've taken this time aside and love what Spoken Layer does. Totally get that uh, this is something independent you're doing. And speaking of something independent that you do, you are also an actress on Law & Order SVU, Tell us a little bit about what that's like. We don't, we don't get all Hollywood up in here all the time.
1: <laughs> I had a fantastic run of five episodes as Bronwyn Freed, later Bronwyn Freed Wilkins. Uh, I started out as a juror. I became a little bit of a terrifying prison girlfriend. And I, my character's claim to fame is breaking out terrifying people using baked goods and food. When we last left Bronwyn, she was awaiting trial. Um, she, she had helped some bad people because she, she sees the good in everyone. It was fun. It was really fun. Like, um, I, that's my training, my background. I have a BFA and an MFA in acting. TV and film is my passion. And I'm, I'm lucky to get to leverage both of my careers against or towards the other, you know?
0: I love that. So you're an accomplished professional along with an accomplished actress. We're very, very pleased to have you today.
1: Thank you so much.
0: You got it. We also have Dave Kemp on the show. Dave, say hello. Hey, Bradley. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely, Dave. Thank you for joining us. So Dave, you are business development manager at Oak Tree Products. Share with us a little bit about your role and what Oak Tree does. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Um, so Oak Tree Products is a distributor of uh, medical supplies and devices to the hearing healthcare professional. So I um, kind of take it upon myself to you know, dive into the voice-first world, learn as much as I can about this space, I think that it's going to be, you know, just increasingly more applicable to uh, all of the ear-worn devices. You see it now with hearables, Um, I think in the future we'll have it, you know, integrated into hearing aids and stuff like that. So I think that it's going to be really relevant to my industry, and uh, it's kind of what brought me here today. So I really appreciate
0: you uh, having me on. Yeah, and we love having you on. Thank you, Dave, for setting the time aside. Thank you both for setting the time aside. And with that, we will get to the news. So our first story this week is a big piece at the New York Times. I've seen a lot of people talking about this thing, uh, even more so than a lot of other prominent articles that we talked about lately. The article is called Why We May Soon Be Living in Alexa's World. And this article talks about a lot of different things, but essentially it's just sort of a realization of where we've come with this voice assistant, voice-first transformation. And I don't want to talk too much about it. I want I want to get both of y'all's opinions on, you know, both of your takes on what you got out of the article and what you thought was most interesting. Sarah, I'm going to start with you. What did you think of the article? What did you take away?
1: So to be completely honest, I, I got a little bit derailed by the beginning. I was just so, I wanted desperately to solve the mystery of how his Alexa screamed. I mean, my takeaway, I think, is that the devices are everywhere, and that that, to my mind, based on what I was reading, Alexa, it seems, has really taken sort of almost the Facebook track of developing things. Right, get it out there, let it break, iterate, iterate. As they said, some of the experiences are sort of shaggy. Some of them work wonderfully, but they're they're being very successful. Amazon is in getting their device and their their AI into tons of different spaces. And then it's really, you know, it's it's just hitting us everywhere. And I, I think pretty soon I, I mean, I guess what I my takeaway, it piques my curiosity because everyone seem the the big players seem to be all trying to manage that ubiquitousness. And Alexa's clearly out in front at the moment. When they talk about the the platform war, the potential platform war between Amazon and Google, I am super curious about how that piece of the puzzle is going to play out. I think there's so many, op- there's, to my mind as a user, there's so many opportunities potentially for collaboration. Everyone is doing such great and interesting things. And I know that people, in addition to the companies being competitors, people developing the technology are also colleagues. And I'm, I'm just very curious to see the way that things progress.
2: Yeah, so I, I agree with Sarah. I, th- I think that it's really going to be intriguing to watch how this all unfolds from a platform standpoint, looking at both Google and Amazon and seeing you know what other players might emerge. I know that we have multiple smart assistants, but it really does seem like it's those two that are kind of controlling everything. The piece that really stood out to me, and I, I think this is kind of what we see with a lot of cultural shifts. Um, you know, he said, uh, Farhad said, how many people... Re- uh, really are willing to let an always on device in their house. And for me, this kind of brings back, you know, the whole notion of Uber and Airbnb when they started. I remember I, the first time I did Uber was like 2013 when I was living in Chicago. And I remember explaining that to my parents and they were like, you got in a car with a stranger and you know, you, you did all that through an app and it just seemed far fetched at the time. And a lot of people had that sort of that notion that, wow, that's, that's really strange. I don't think people are going to mass adopt it. You saw it with Airbnb too. You're going to go. You're going to go live, or I mean, you know, uh, stay at a at a stranger's house. And what you see is that people are migrating toward these different things because they really are better. You know, it, it, in terms of an Uber, you can go, you can call it up on your phone. It has all of your history. It's actually safer because it's you know you have your identity of your driver and all of that. And so I think this is similar in in the sense that. You know, you ultimately have uh, these what what could be perceived as uh, always listening devices. But I think that, you know, as people realize it's not really the case, it's more of uh, a, a little assistant, you know, something to help you out. Um, And so that's kind of one of my takeaways was that, you know, I think that people are starting to realize, like, to your point, that this isn't really a fad. You know, over the past three CESs, you saw that increasingly uh, smart assistants have dominated all the way to the point to this year where Google was, you know, advertising, doing outdoor advertising on virtually everything they could around venue. Um, So I think that it's definitely here to stay. I think that, um, we're seeing just a cultural shift as people become more and more comfortable with this idea of, you know, using an assistant um, in order to really help yourself and not really looking at some of what might have been perceived previously as
0: creepy or weird or anything like that. I want to ask both of you sort of coming off the heels of, of that discussion. There's several recurring themes with voice technology and they surface constantly on the shows of VoiceFirst FM and everywhere else that this stuff is being talked about. One of those themes is whether voice is a complement. I'm talking in the in the arc of the long-term evolution of this technology and technology in general, is voice first technology a complement to the smartphone or the idea that you're going to carry around this rectangular metal thing on your person all the time looking at it it dominates everything or is it a substitute for that technology and this article sort of talks around that concept a little bit uh but i wanted to flat out ask you and sarah i'm going to start with you in your opinion both of you are extremely knowledgeable people uh, working in different aspects of this field and this technology in your opinion. Does the smartphone ever go away uh, thanks to what voice technology affords for us and its ubiquity into all of these different devices, or does it not? I'm just curious. And then, Dave, I'll ask you the same thing in a minute.
1: I think I see it as a compliment. I really do. I feel like there are always going to be things for which a tablet. I mean, we may move away from, from the laptop entirely, but I could see a world in which we want some sort of smartphone or tablet accessible to us, even as we move more and more into the voice space. I imagine, you know, people, for a number of reasons, people prefer to consume information differently. People like a visual compliment uh, to the things that they're hearing. I think that that what we'll see in the end is the growing trend toward a seamless handoff Uh, Ideally, I suspect my my AI is going to interact with my handheld device over time so that I can do as much and control as much as I choose through my voice, get as much information as possible in conversation with my AI. And then when I need to visually reference something, perhaps it's that the information is already there. Perhaps I ask my AI to send the information to my device But I I suspect that our relationship to our handheld devices is going to change drastically in the next five years. But I don't know that I believe it will go, that those devices will go away entirely.
2: Yeah, I I think Sarah kind of hit the nail on the head. I agree. I I don't think that the phone really goes away. I think that what happens is that the time spent on the phone really gets reduced. I think the bigger target that smart assistants kind of goes after is the apps. Um, I think if you look at these devices, um, really what they're doing is they're ultimately cutting down on the friction, right? It's like rather than having to go and pull up three disparate apps, I can knock all of what I'm trying to do within those apps out in one fell swoop just through one voice command. And so I think that that's sort of the trend that it seems like we're going down is more or less um, complementing the phone, using the phone as sort of the hub uh, in which you kind of you know, still rely on. I think things like messaging I think are far from being uh, displaced by something like voice, you know, as Farhad pointed out in the story, you know, there's a really, there's a clear advantage here with um, the way that Amazon has it all built through the cloud. You know, you go and you have your smart speaker in your house and that is tailored to you. That has all of your, um, you know, it's personalized to your account. And then, you know, you go into your car and your your car is synced to that same account. You go into work and all of your assistant hardware there is synced to your account. So it's all built around the cloud. It's kind of device agnostic, as he pointed out. So I think that really what we're looking at is, you know, something's got to give. We're not going to continue to look at, you know, have our necks down looking at a little black box um, for, increasing amounts of time per day, it just doesn't seem sustainable. And I think this is probably the best solution to that is to pick your head up um, more and more for, you know, more things and be able to accomplish a lot of what you rely on your phone now um, as a lot of those tasks begin to migrate toward smart assistants.
1: I, I love that. I think the idea of us walking through our world with our heads held high once again and making eye contact And sharing stories and experiences through our audio devices is incredibly powerful. And I love the thought that that's where we're headed.
0: I struggle with which way I think it's going to go on a day-to-day basis. You know, what we know is that people don't like carrying around a smartphone. Uh, They view it as an albatross, but it's a willing trade-off based on the information you receive. Uh, and being able to stay in real-time communication with people. But on the other hand, it's come to dominate our attention, and uh, human beings have shown that they're terrible in balancing the demanding nature of the technology with the demanding nature of the, of the social fabric of our humanity and all the people around <laughs> us that want our uh, attention as well. So I could see it swinging either way, and it'll be really up to whoever takes a leadership position from a technology standpoint. I will tell you the notion of downloading apps on my phone is so tired. It's so, so tired. It I, I view downloading apps, going to the app store and looking up apps as akin to getting on an elevator and wondering where the elevator operator is, um, you know, <laughs> or something like that or, or um, you know, going into somebody's house and saying, hey, where's your party line at? You know, not like anyone even knows what that is anymore. (laughs) Um, Or, uh, you know, where's your landline at? Um, I need to make a call. Uh, That's great. And I just wanted to sort of start off with that article because it opened up a lot of different lines of thought and and just wanted to hear what y'all thought about that. So I appreciate that. Moving on to story number two. Story number two this week is our VoiceBot.ai story of the week. VoiceBot.ai is a fantastic uh, news and commentary site uh, related to voice technology and voice AI um, and all things that touch that. Uh, highly recommend uh, checking them out if you're looking for that sort of information. Spotify is working on a smart, smart speaker. This came from some job postings that Spotify had put out there, um, has put out there. Uh, It's unclear whether they've landed the talent that they're looking for yet or not. But what is clear from the job descriptions is that they are getting into hardware, they're getting into products. And this is pretty exciting from my standpoint. I wanna get both of y'all's take on this, but the idea of Spotify who's created a really compelling software experience, getting into some hardware, I'm, I'm down with that. I, I would be very interested to see what they come out with. I think this is one of the more exciting news stories that we've had that is not coming from Amazon or Google lately. Um, and Dave, I want to start with you. Do you share my enthusiasm for the potential that this could bring? Or do, you, or do you look at this and say, my God, another smart speaker, do we really need another one of those? Uh, share with me your take.
2: Yeah. So I love this story. I think that this is right up my alley. I love kind of hypothesizing around, you know, new entrants into the market and how they might fit and all that. And so I was looking at this and I was looking at some of the numbers. So Spotify has like, you know, they're private, so you don't necessarily know how many, but it's rumored that they have 70 million subscribers. Apple Music has something like 36 million. Apple Music's growing at a 5% uh, clip on a on a monthly clip in the U.S. Whereas Spotify is growing at a two percent clip in the U.S. Spotify is more dominant from a global standpoint, but from a U.S. standpoint, Apple Music is poised to eclipse Spotify. And so, especially given the fact that they're talking about IPOing, it makes a lot of sense that there's something kind of dramatic that they're looking to do. And so, for me, I look at this in one of two ways. You know, on one hand it's sort of the adage that hardware is hard. You know, I don't know if it's so feasible for someone like a Spotify who's, you know, entirely a software company now to just jump into the hardware space. I think that might be pretty challenging for them to do. Maybe they can pull it off. I'm not really sure, but it seems like their biggest competition would be, you know, the music player being Apple, right? Cause we all know that the HomePod isn't a smart speaker. It's touted to be, I guess, a, uh, a music experience. Um, so that would be their main competition and you're competing with, you know, a supply chain company that specializes in hardware. Um, so it seems like that might be kind of daunting. And I saw a, uh, an article by Om Malik where he was hypothesizing or maybe it wouldn't it would make sense for Sonos or I'm sorry, Spotify to go and buy Sonos. And so I thought that was really interesting because I look at it more like rather than I think they should definitely vertically integrate in a way. Um, you know, especially because HomePod is limited to Apple Music. So I think that a partnership here might be a little bit more feasible, a little less daunting. Um, so for me, I, I look at that partnership as being threefold. Um, you would need, you know, the software being Spotify. You want the hardware. I think Sonos would be a really good fit, given that Sonos doesn't really have an affiliation yet. And then the third piece would be, you know, how do you control that? And I think that you'd want some sort of uh, voice control with that. And that, to me, you know, I know Brett uh, in the Voicebot article, he was kind of um, ascertaining that maybe. Soundhound would be a good option here, and that was really intriguing to me because I think you know, Soundhound, given the fact that they came from music recognition, I think that could open the doors to um, some really interesting possibilities around recognizing music and making it just a, an experience that's all built around music, whether it be playlists and curating playlists and all types of different things around music. Um, so, those were some of my thoughts. You know, I, I just think that. For them to post two job postings and say we're going to get into the hardware game and compete against someone like Apple, that just seems to me like a a pretty daunting task. And to me, I really like the idea of them getting into hardware, but I would opt for more of a partnership approach where they go and either acquire or partner with uh, some of these different non-affiliated manufacturers.
1: I'm excited. I'm really excited. I'm very curious to see how their hardware will be different um, if it will be different, how it will be different. I think as we were saying earlier on, you know, any time that more competitors enter a space to innovate and, and execute their passions and their ideas, I think it's great for the market. I think it's fantastic for consumers. Um, maybe Spotify will hit on something innovative and new that neither of the, the tech giants have come up with yet. Or maybe they'll approach the market a different way. Um, the piece that stuck out to me oddly was it was it mentioned about their content um the possibility that it could run other content at lower cost and improve their margins and i and i it started me wondering and completely speculating and fantasizing about like what if they chased be like a b2b relationship where else do people's ear like if apple and google and amazon own people's ears in place x like is there a place y where maybe that's not the case and and Spotify is going to chase that market. I thought of elevators. I don't know. Like I was just imagining where they could, could make a play who knows what they'll come up with. I'm, I'm excited to see and I think it will probably really benefit consumers. It'll certainly be exciting. Um, It'll just be exciting for the market.
0: I think completely agree. Yeah. And uh, Spotify is a unique creature in my mind. Um, I respect what they're doing so much because you know, if you recall when Apple announced Apple Music, it was one of the most bombastic announcements in press events I have ever seen, and that's not necessarily a negative. I mean, I'm cool with that, but it was what it was followed up by was sort of this clumsy interface, uh, which they have not fixed some dabbling into video content like carpool karaoke, which I routinely make fun of um, <laughs> uh, because that's exactly what it deserves. Uh, and they spent a ton of money on it. I mean, a ton of money on carpool karaoke uh, just to continue to single that out. So they've got some, um, some focus problems in addition to not doing things well that they used to do really well, such as user interface. And here's Spotify over here. It just Spotify, my mental image is just Spotify continues to just punch them in the face. Um, they continue to take market share. They continue to improve on the core product. I, don't, I think if you lined up 100 random people who use both, uh, 99 are going to tell you that they like the Spotify experience better. So you know, not to say that Apple Music can't improve on these things and it looks like it's a focus of the business. And it is making the company money by all, uh, you know, reports. But Spotify has got Apple right where they want them. And Dave, I love the idea that you had about partnering with or just flat out acquiring somebody, you know, Sonos or whoever, um, and vertically integrating like that rather than trying to reinvent the wheel. No matter what they do, I think you've got to take them seriously.
1: I'm curious about as they move into hardware, how that's going to affect their relationships with the markets they're already in right now, they're able, not markets, but right right now they're able to be in all these other devices. And I wonder, are we going to see a siloing of hardware, software to particular devices, or if they'll still maintain their relationship? Because right now, I think that's part of what's, what's really helping them be such a fierce competitor. I'd say
2: too that you know one thing to to keep in mind is that there it, it isn't necessarily a smart speaker. Um it you know the the postings were a little bit ambiguous. It didn't specify what hard, hardware they were making. It's just speculation that it would be a smart speaker, whether that would be you know I don't know in the ear earbuds or something like that or maybe just an entirely different device in itself. So I agree with you, Bradley. I would not underestimate them at all. I think that they're, they've shown that they're incredibly innovative. Um, They're a smart company. And I think that, you know, it's, it, it might, it might be something that's entirely different, maybe something around curating music, given that that's one of their main differentiators on Apple music. I'm a huge Spotify fan and that's something that they do really well is recommending music for you based on your likes. I don't know, apple's curation as well but it seems to me like that's one of their strong points of differentiation so maybe they could create a piece of hardware that's built around recommending music for you and and trying to you know identify new things that you might like
0: definitely agree with the thought process that coming out with hardware may not be as simple as coming out with hardware uh, everything may not stay the same. They may start to get treated differently from other companies that make hardware that mm-hmm. while Spotify didn 't make hardware um, while they were just a software company uh you know maybe maybe Amazon and Google were like, "Yeah, come, come on in <laughs> um, and uh you know maybe uh post having a smart speaker product, uh, maybe that dynamic changes, uh and a lot of that too might depend on if Spotify decides to have a strategy in which there's some exclusive content that lives on their smart speaker um, and is not available anywhere else. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot that could happen with this. Um, And so uh, the commentary that y'all gave was, uh, was excellent. And so it'll be well worth watching. I'm sure this is far from the last that we'll talk about this on this show. Story number three from Forbes meet the voice marketer. This, this is an interesting one. And yes, this is sort of a one-off piece that one of their contributors wrote, uh, sort of an advertorial sort of deal. But I think that this piece raises a lot of interesting questions. And it does it right off the very first line. The first line, which I'm just going to read verbatim of the article, what will your brand sound like? And what will it have to say? There's a lot of people around the world thinking about that question. Sarah, I want to start with you. What is your answer to that? What is it that brands should be thinking about? What is it marketers should be thinking about? How should this voice technology be leveraged in your mind for companies?
1: I think about it in, in two tracks. It's early days for all of this. And I really feel that content is key. I think... We don't need gimmicks. We don't need stunts. Like the occasional brilliant idea, maybe, but we don't need gimmicks or stunts. We want to build we want great content that that is habit forming, that really captures our attention, that makes us feel welcome and comfortable in the space. To go to your app point, like there's a there are a lot of apps right now in, in the voice space for rain sounds. I think we've we've hit the limit. We're good. I think it's things about like how how does a brand want to tell their story? How does a company want to be perceived? What's the voice of that? In the way that you're talking about books, really, what do we want? What do you want your brand to sound like? I think that's, that's something to to consider, and then really to consider the power of the human voice and human conversation as this as the space is developed. We respond well when we feel that the machine understands us. So I think as we proceed, like as we proceed with these experiences, we have to make sure that we're developing experiences that don't highlight that we're speaking to machines. The the latter part of this this piece particularly spoke to me, assuming that voice works in the way of conversations that we already understand, sort of reading from the article here. And when we ask a question, we want a relevant and tightly aligned answer. When we're doing something aligned with our interests and a friend has a good idea, we're receptive to inspiration. So I feel like that is a key takeaway from this. We want to think about what works in conversation already and build from there. I think that's the key to great marketing in this space is going to be taking that idea and iterating.
2: So I think that really the million dollar question right now for marketers and brands is to figure out the balance between, you know, being creepy and anticipating what people want. Um, I think that's sort of a, it's a hard line right now, I think for a lot of people, because I think that, you know, voice assistants provide access to people's, you know, personal data in a way that we haven't really seen before. And in some regards, it kind of goes to what um, Brian was talking about at the Alexa conference, all, all around, you know, this being built with your smart or your small data, you know, as opposed to big data, it's small data, it's specific to the to the personal user. And so if brands have access to that, you know, starts to kind of open the door to some possibilities that we haven't had before. Like, for example, um, Bradley, I'll just use you. Like, let's say that you have, uh, in your calendar, you have your, you know, say your son's birthday is coming up in a few weeks and, Um, you know, let's say that you bought tickets off of StubHub before and StubHub has access to your personal data so that, you know, it can see, oh, hey, Bradley, your son's birthday is coming up. How about taking him to a Nashville Predators game or something like that? And so is that, wow, that's great. I'm really glad that, you know, I'm I'm getting that from the, uh, smart assistant and, and the brand knows that or, um. You know, is that is that creepy? And so I think that's kind of the that's where we're at. And, and I think that that's going to be the question that, you know, marketers are going to have to ask themselves Are if we have access to all this data, you know, how do we approach it in a way where
1: it's not really going to be perceived as creepy um, and turn people off? I think that's so important. The way that like if we think about the things that creep people out about the visual experiences they're having right now. Those are, those are places to look with a weary eye, maybe, you know, the way that an ad for, you know, the coffee that you just bought continues to follow you every website for weeks, you know, people speak up about that being a thing they don't enjoy. And I think the challenge will be how do, how do you, I'm totally on board with what you just said, like, how do we find the sort of sweet spot? between meeting a consumer's needs and making them feel appreciative of the technology and not responding the way we do to buckets of spam email or lots of ads right. popping up over and over.
0: Completely agree. Yeah. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I think it's a great insight to look at the visual aspects of what we don't like about the web and what we don't like about our privacy being intruded upon Uh, and the feeling of our privacy being intruded upon. Because really, at the end of the day, when someone says their privacy is intruded upon, what are they actually telling you? What they're actually telling you is that the value that they got from whatever it is that just happened is less than the feelings of insecurity slash privacy being violated. Somebody sends an email out to 10,000 people that never signed up for an email list and that email contains information about something that all ten thousand of those people are dying to know about how many spam reports do you think they're going to get zero even though nobody signed up for that list so and it was just totally unsolicited so <clears throat> so uh, the way i look at this in and you know i don't i profess i'm sure this is not everyone's opinion but as we look toward voice technology the opportunities to make lives better, make lives easier, more accessible, you know, make uh, opportunities more accessible to people. Um, all of those things are very um, ripe for privacy trade-offs in my mind. I mean, Dave, to your point about my son, I'm sure my wife would agree with this. Like if, um, if there were something coming up, like let's say, for example, uh, that uh, the Echo told me one morning, Hey, Bradley. um, You've got this friend's birthday coming up tomorrow, or let's say next week. We know that you forgot this last year because uh, in your emails, we have seen that you apologized for this last year. Maybe it didn't explain all this. It just somehow has access to my email and saw I apologize for missing this person's birthday last year. Uh, You missed the birthday last year. We know that. Um, Why don't you order what this person likes, which we also happen to know, from... This retailer, um, it's discounted today. You want to go ahead and order that and ship it to them? You know, how much of a privacy violation is that? Like, that's an incredible, like, incredibly invasive. But the value that I would feel like I would get out of that would exceed that. So, you know, I don't know. Somewhere in there, I think, is the answer. And hopefully marketers are understanding this technology to such an extent to where they know that this is the frontier and this is not just regurgitation of websites you know that's one of my favorite things about bob voice xp as he talks about with voice experiences you don't want it to be a regurgitation of your website how terrible is that you know this needs to be more interactive and more encompassing than that
2: yeah i'd agree with you there i mean i think that the, the, the fact is that, you know, and I think this will become increasingly more relevant, is that they are going to have access probably to a lot of that, you know, in that scenario. So to your point, it's like, I think that's what I was trying to allude to is they need to establish what is kind of too invasive and what is actually proactively helping you out. And I think that's where the rubber meets the road here is to, to establish, you know, what exactly that is.
1: I think the companies that are able to find that, that sweet spot between value add and and privacy trade-off are going to do incredibly well and be very popular and probably become the leaders in the space. I'm excited to see what will happen. But as you said, there's a, there's a big opportunity for a lot of good to be done. I think people need to, pre- people, companies, marketers need to proceed with both eyes open and thinking about all sides of that issue.
0: Moving on to story number four. <laughs> <laughs> it's rare for me I just have to laugh I can't control myself it's rare for me to include a story like this in this show it's very hard for me to tell outside of one or two giveaway lines if this was an actual story or not I had to read really closely and I guess that's a good exercise to go through but the name of the story is Local Man to Marry Amazon Alexa. And it's got the picture of who I l- later came to find out is the author of this article, who I guess is presenting himself as the man who's marrying Alexa. It's hard, hard to even tell from that. There have been actual stories of people proposing to Alexa in the tens, maybe to hundreds of thousands of times. Uh, you know, Not that they really want to marry Alexa. It's just, I guess they say that they're proposing and just to see what it says. I really don't know. I'm including this story for one main reason, but I want to get y'all's take on it and what stood out to you. I think that the takeaway for me here is that at the point at which you've got local, small town publication with the humorous, off the beaten path columnist writing about voice technology and Alexa in this manner, where there's no explanation, actually minimal explanation. There is some explanation of what Alexa is. And then just get straight into the article. I would say we've reached kind of peak. Uh, we've, maybe we've reached the pinnacle, in, you know, in terms of adoption, in terms of awareness. I think this has a lot to say. It, has, it means a lot in terms of, you know, it is a very safe place to invest time and resources at this point if you're seeing this type of thing come forth and Dave I want to start with you this is a kind of a whack article um, what what did you think as you looked at this what did you take away if anything <laughs> this is
2: a very bizarre article uh, I was laughing I it, I had to read it a couple of times because I was very confused by you know who exactly was marrying Alexa um, I like too how it says that you know it says LaRue contends Alexa is kissing up to so we will keep ordering items from Amazon. Like this is just,
0: this is, <laughs>
2: this is bizarre. <laughs> um, yeah. So I was, I, I got a good kick out of it. Um, I mean, I remember there was an article that like, I think it was a couple years ago, but it was like 500,000 people uh, have said, I love you to Alexa. So, and it kind of brings in like the whole movie of her. And like, you know, the fact that the guy at the end, he's like, gets his heart broken by his, I guess his smart assistant. Um, but I don't know, this, this article in general, I just, I had a good laugh. I, I agree with you. I, I'd encourage everybody to go check it out. It's, uh, it's pretty wacky.
1: Um, well, so I was curious. I mean, it, it wants to be an onion piece. It was funny. It, went, it, it, it aspires to onionhood, I think. Uh, <laughs> he's lifted his character names from an 80s movie called Harlem Nights. Vernest and Dominique are from Harlem Nights.
0: I'm, uh, that, um, uh, that was totally lost on me, uh, but keep going.
1: Oh, no, I didn't. I, I was like, I Googled. I was like, I wonder where he's getting. I just was curious and I started Googling names and that's what I came up with. I didn't know that off the top of my head. Um, I just thought that that was sort of interesting. I don't know if there's any relevance other than maybe he loves the movie. It was funny. I think it does speak to the ubiquitous of the device. If we can make jokes about things without much explanation, then it's everywhere and solidly so. I think he had an interesting little dig at at Alexa as a purchasing powerhouse. It's just, it's funny. It's silly. And, and I had this thought, it was like, at this point in history, when I read satire, I, I do find myself wondering how long until fiction becomes some sort of twisty reality. Like, we might see someone trying it. Who knows? It's just funny. It's It's worth a chuckle. It's worth a read.
0: I definitely thought it was worth including. I thought it was worth a discussion. I do wonder, one of the things that crossed my mind is, do the people at Amazon or, you know, even the people at Google or Apple or anybody involved in this space, do they look at these stories and laugh? Or do they look at these stories and, and with disgust? I mean, I guess another way to phrase it, if this were a real story, and I want to get both y'all's take on this uh, before we close out on this, on this one, let's have a hypothetical situation for a moment. Because I guarantee you this is going to happen probably sooner than anyone cares to think about. Let's say for a moment that there's a very real story reported that some man wants to marry Alexa and is actually going to have a ceremony in which they marry their, just throwing this out there, Amazon Echo Show with Alexa. Now, is Amazon going to uh, want to be present at that? Um, Are they going to support that in any way or acknowledge it in any way or are they going to ignore it and put their fingers in their ears and hum a song and wander off the other direction and act like it doesn't exist or put their head in the sand like an ostrich? Sarah, I'll start with you. What do, what do you think?
1: Well, I think when it's things like that, when it's satire that they're reading, first of all, to answer the first question, I, I hope and I suspect pretty strongly um, that people have a good chuckle when, they're, when the things that they are working on are brought into the realm of humor and satire it means people are talking about it people are thinking when we get to the hypothetical point of somebody attempting to marry a device i i suspect I, I suspect context will have a lot to do with it there's an australian artist who has married at least two bridges at this point and are you i serious?
0: I am serious. Her name is Jody
1: Rose. Her name is Jody Rose. I had remembered her and I Googled her. She's married a bridge. Oh no, maybe she just married the one bridge. She married Le Pont du Diable bridge in Seref, Southern France. Um, wow. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, and we don't have to delve into that piece. Although like it's there, you can read all about it on a couple of different things online. I think, how will they? I, I, have, I can't really speculate on how people will react. I suspect some people will find humor in it. Some people will probably be horrified and some people will see it as artistic expression. I don't know. I think it'll, if I were designing an AI experience and someone felt so attached and close to that experience that they wanted to be in a relationship with it, I would think I had done a really great job of building a really well-rounded versatile convincing ai that would be my first thought then i'd have a personal opinion on people marrying inanimate objects but you know i feel like it's speak i i would take away that i had done my job designing a compelling experience
2: i agree with you you know your initial point like this is this is peak alexa right now this is peak like the where we're at Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we, you know, in the not too distant future, see like pictures of somebody on the altar with like, like an echo or something like that. Um, So I don't know. I just, I think that it's just kind of a sign of the times that, um, you know, whether it be satire or people just trying to make, um, get attention through it. I'm not really sure. I just, I find it all pretty amusing. And I would imagine that, um, you know, the people at Alexa uh, probably find it pretty humorous too. Um free press. I mean, so that's the way I look at it.
0: There, there's no doubt there will be challenging stories that have to do with this technology. We've seen some already, you know, things such as, uh, hey, we're the FBI hand over your device now, um, and all the data and, uh, that's just one example of many different an array of different type of examples. that could be challenging stories. This is definitely meant to be humorous. uh It took me longer than perhaps a normal person to figure that out <laughs> <laughs> but uh but we'll just ignore that <laughs> um and uh and and press onward, I appreciate you all uh, uh patronizing me and allowing that to be stories uh on our docket uh the last one. Uh, is just a uh, promotional item um, to close us out. We are very pleased to have announced the Voice Voice of Healthcare Summit taking place Tuesday, August the 7th. In Boston, it will be at a place called the Martin Conference Center at Harvard Medical School. We're going high-end here with the, the, with the venue, but we felt like we wanted a place that sits right in the middle of the healthcare district in Boston where a lot of innovative work is going on. Uh, super happy about having Alana Shalowitz be our keynote. Um, anyone who was at the Alexa conference got to hear her speak. If you did, uh, you fully understand why we're having her back. Uh, really phenomenal presentation um, that she made and just a perfect fit for this. Uh, we've announced some speakers already, including uh, Matt Zabolski, who's my co-host on The Voice of Healthcare. Dr. Terry Fisher, who uh, is a Canadian physician who runs the Alexa in Canada podcast. We've got several other speakers that we're working to line up now. And more information will be coming out about that soon. If you want to register for it already or stay up on it, uh, the website is www.vohsummit.com and we'll link to it in the show notes.
2: Yeah. I'm a, i am I think it's awesome. Um, You know, being in the healthcare space, I think this is great. You know, I was at the Alexa conference and for anybody listening that wasn't there, I would definitely recommend going to this one. If you have any interest in what's going on. I mean, getting the chance to network and meet with all of uh, some of the smartest people in the space is reason enough to go. But like you said, you know, the the keynote speaker, uh, Alina Shalowitz is amazing. And um, just, you know, I think there's areas that are ripe for Alexa and in my eyes, healthcare, I might be a little bit biased, but it's just glaringly obvious. Um, So I can't wait. I think it's going to be really good to uh, just kind of continue the discussion. We're in February now by August I imagine that just there's going to be a ton of new um, developments along the way that will be discussed there. So um, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be
1: awesome. I think health is the most personal story a person can share with someone. And then there's so many interesting implications for leveraging voice technology, as you've just said, Dave, into that space. And that sounds like a fantastic event.
0: Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Yeah. We're super excited about it and excited to, Continue to make announcements, so uh, if you're listening to the show, following what we do with Voice First FM, and the sound of this event interests you, definitely keep an eye on it. There's no question the speakers who will be there will be well worth your time, and the rest of the program will be as well. So thank you all uh, for uh, bearing with me on that as well, and just want to thank both of you, Dave and Sarah both. Thank you for your time today. It was greatly appreciated.
1: Thank you so much for having us. This was really fun.
0: Yeah, thanks a lot, Bradley. This was awesome. For This Week in Voice, Season 2, Episode 5, thank you for listening, and until next time.